Arizona Sports. Dark. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for Maximum for Maximum. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. the show live from the auction community studios max starks is joining us for maximum football as he does every wednesday and uh here i want to play this clip this is cliff kingsbury from monday talking about the offensive lines play even though the cardinals did ultimately lose to philadelphia really impressed by that group that that's as good a front as you'll see across the board i mean they got great rushers great interior pieces um and I, I thought we battled the entire game, gave ourselves a chance. So I uh, couldn't be more impressed by um, how they stuck together, especially um, with Rodney being out. I thought the communication was really good. I don't, I don't know if we had many pre-snap penalties, maybe one there late, uh, and not many penalties overall. So that was uh, good to, to play clean with that group. Yeah, Max, look, I, I didn't play. Uh, this is going to shock you. I never played offensive line in the NFL, but you did. And so this is what? why you're the perfect guy to talk to. Yeah, believe what? it or not. Oh, my goodness. I had no clue. Yeah, I didn't want to break the news to you on the air, but, I, but I'm going to. Uh, but look, you go into that game, you don't have Rodney Hudson. You face the team with the best pass rushes in terms of sacks, at least, in the NFL. You hold them to one sack. I will continue to maintain that Hassan Reddick got Kyler Murray's face mask on that sack. But whatever. In terms of evaluating the offensive line, even having never played at the NFL level, Max, or any level offensive line, I could tell you they've been pretty solid since week two. No, the offensive line has done a tremendous job, um, and they've gotten better every single week. And like you said, when you have setbacks um, without having Rodney Hudson and kind of having to fill in in the middle, I thought they've still done a great job communicating. Double-team blocks look good with this crew. And like I said, James Connors is rushing at a good clip, and then, of course, Daryl Williams, of course, before the injury. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, – how Eno Benjamin does in this situation, um, given that he's going to have, you know, an increased role. And, uh, you know, he has a second rushing touchdown last week. So hopefully he can continue to build on that type of performance. But uh, I know I like everything about the offensive line, especially I love them against this uh, this defensive front in Seattle. So I look at the offensive line once again, and I ask you this a little rhetorically as we talk about the offensive line, the strength of the offensive line, how good they are in terms of trying to run the ball, your impressions of this. So I'll ask you flat out, does an offensive line get better with more reps? Does an offensive line get better in a game if you run the ball more? Well, Wolf, for the sake of journalistic integrity and, of course, I would say repetitiveness, absolutely they get better, what Wolf. Is that, Max? <laughs> this is leading the witness what right here. What is that, Max? Yeah, is. Well, you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Wolf. It's funny. The more you run, the more guys get to work double teams, get to work combination blocks, yes. get to communicate the better they feel with that said individual that they're working with. Yes. It just makes sense. The more It's funny. The more you and Luke talk together, the better you guys get at understanding what each other's thinking. You would correct? think. Okay, that Luke, was, I was stop kidding. It. You know what he did? <laughs> that he was beat me one. right there. He one. did because I yeah. was going yeah, exactly. to level That's him. Why I had to you say would, it you would think. Well, I could say that when Luke and I have worked together and we work consecutively <laughs> in, our, <laughs> in our past <laughs> summer jobs, um, 
the more consecutive days we worked together, the easier it was to understand what each other was thinking. And then the conversation was a lot more fluid. So you apply that same type of principle to offensive line play. Yes. The only group that has to work in complete lockstep with each other on the football field. All five have to be one. The more you do it, the better you get Man. at it. Yes. And every single play, especially when you run this, God forbid you run the same play twice within oh, the same quarter. Oh you know what I'm saying? Let's, let's not let's not talk about fairy tales. But <laughs> when you do do those type of things, that's what builds that 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 innate experience. We talk about requisite experience amongst guys. That's exactly how you build it. It's the rapidity of it and just the repetitive nature that you must go through to be an offensive line and to block in sequence on any given run play. So See, that's hardcore analysis. Yeah, you're just not going to get that <laughs> anywhere else. But yeah. it, it is, though. It's something that really bothers me. You, they, they've got to do this at some point in time. Football, there basically are three things you can do with a football. You can run the ball. You can throw the ball. And then you can act like you're going to run it and then throw it. Those are the three things you can basically do. And right now, I think the Arizona Cardinals are handcuffing themselves on a lot of this stuff. The most stuff. frustrating part about this team is right now to me is it feels like they are stopping themselves in certain areas. That's that's the the most frustrating thing. Max, I look at these games and I'm like, okay, you weren't beating the Chiefs. The Chiefs are one of the two best teams in the league. You don't you you're not going to beat them right now. Uh, but you could have beat the Rams and you could have beat the Eagles and it feels like in a lot of ways the Cardinals stopped themselves. But sticking with the offensive line for a second, Going into that Philadelphia game and seeing a team that leads the NFL in sacks at that point and seeing the Cardinals having a hard time at times getting the uh, the play called in and set up and everything, and then seeing Rodney Hudson's going to miss the game, I didn't feel all that great about that, and yet they did a pretty good job. How were they able to do it without Hudson? Well, I, I, think, I think it was a simplified game plan. You saw a lot of... A lot of the uh, the slide and pass protection, you made sure that the center was covered up. I mean, that, that was kind of one okay. of the biggest things. You didn't want to leave him one-on-one too often without either a hand or some eyes from either guard. I thought that was important because you could hide a center. You might be able to hide a guard for moments, but eventually there's going to come that moment where they're one-on-one. And by the time that happened, I felt like they were they were still in good position because that, that is a good front that they went against in the Eagles. Yeah. And and I, you know, for, for I have to give them a kudos. I give them thumbs up for how they performed because that wasn't an easy task, and they were able to control mo- for the most part and be in that game, which was which was surprising. Because um, you know, given like you said, where we're at as a team, and you're looking at the Cardinals, it, it's tough to say. Oh man, I'm in love with this because it's like. Their offense is 15th overall, defense is 17th, middle of the pack. And then you look at the Eagles, and they're all top 10s and everywhere, you know, just about. And so you're like, okay, this is this is going to be a tough task. They're going to steamroll us. Mm-mm. They played well. They played well because I think one of the biggest things they don't they don't they don't the Cardinals. The one thing that's a saving grace right now for the Cardinals, they don't give the ball away. Yeah, right? right. They're not a high turning over team. They're very efficient with the ball. It's just does it relay in points or can you get past a sluggish start? I think that's the biggest thing. The Cardinals do their most trouble to themselves when they get off to a really slow start and they're not getting into rhythm early because your top 15 is supposed to be the go-tos, right? It's supposed to be the greatest hits album. You know what I'm saying? When I turn this on, when I know I'm about to go hang out 
past 8 p.m., I turn this music on to keep me hyped so I don't fall asleep. That's what the top 15 is. <laughs> you know, that is that is what you're trying to get. You're supposed to be like, hey, I can run this in any kind of weather conditions against any front. These are what we do well. And it doesn't seem like that's being schemed or the trust is being so far one direction that you can't get to, you know, the bread and butter, which is the run. The run often gets left behind in that situation. I think the rush numbers could be better. I mean, if I, w- I don't have the stat, but I wonder if it's rush per attempt, uh, you know, attempted in the game. They would probably have a higher percentage. And you think if you run it more, oh, the number's going to get lower. No, 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 no. The number gets better the more you run it. But I feel like they're just being very economical with the rushing. They'd rather get a lot more RPO and a lot more passes to Marquise Brown. Yeah, and then not only that, can I just say this quickly as well? Sean Harlow. That's one of the reasons why this offensive line played so well. Sean Harlow at center, I'll take that all day long. I think he struggles a little bit at guard, but at center, I'll take Sean Harlow. He did a great job. Yeah, and to Max's point, if the Cardinals' first quarter offense was a song, nobody would listen to that song right yeah. now. That would be, you right. turn that one right yeah. off. All right, we come back. We'll go through some of the uh, overreactions around the NFL through five weeks and, uh, and get some potential overreactions here. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports Max Starks Maximum Football With Wolf and Luke Brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley Get more money selling your home Go to higherprice.com That's higherprice.com Alright, we're going to get to some uh, week five overreactions. I'm going to throw these at you guys. Okay, Max Starks is here. Obviously, Wolf is here as well. I want to throw, before we even get to that, though, a couple things. The uh, Cardinals have signed kicker Matt Amendola and safety Chris Banjo to the active roster from the practice squad. That's about 10 minutes ago. Okay. So I'm assuming that puts, and, and they've also placed Jonathan Ward on injured reserve. Uh, also, did you see this story that uh, Devontae Adams is getting charged with. Um, Misdemeanor assault for pushing that guy at the end I of the game. I did see that. Night. Yes, that's from Adam Schefter this morning. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know where where that's going to end up going. And Bobby Wagner, the guy who ran on the field, that, that's a different. That's a much different story to me. That's a guy who shouldn't have been on the field that is fi- filing a police report because he got hit when he ran out there on the field. So we'll see where that goes too. All right, Max. I'm going to throw some overreactions and uh, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on these. So I'm going to start with this one. Set aside the Buffalo Bills because I know Buffalo is in the state of New York. A New York team other than Buffalo will make the playoffs this year. Oh, How do you feel about man, this? that is, oh. is really, they're a combined really good seven right and there. three right now. The Jets and the Giants. Oh man, you know what? The Giants can run the ball. They run the ball extremely well, and I like the way that defense is playing right now. Um, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say a New York team is going to make it. Is going to be the New York Giants who make it. Max. Ooh, even bolder. Going ahead and, and saying the name. Um, I, I have to say I agree with that, but I don't know if I picked the Giants to be it. Oh. Um, I, I, I think the Jets actually are looking good with Zach Wilson. Now, obviously, how long will that last will be the question. But as it looks right now, I mean, 
I don't put it past the Jets. The Jets are playing at a high level. They know how to run the football, and the defense is, is playing is playing good team ball right now. Um, so I'm going to go yes, but I'm going to go J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That's that, Well, I did not expect that. That's crazy, although, yeah, these, all these rookies are clicking for the Jets already, too. Uh, all right, okay, we just saw Philadelphia firsthand. They're 5-0. and I don't think they're the best team, I'll tell you that. But the uh, the overreaction you could have through five weeks is that the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team. Max, I'll start with you. Uh, best team in the NFL? Yes. Or best team in the NFC? Okay, okay. Not best record, um, best team. I, I, even though I have them as a dark horse Super Bowl um, appearee, um, I would say Kansas City. <laughs> Kansas City. Is uh, still the best team in the NFL. Pure right sounds okay. like a high-end water company. Okay, right now. It does. Um, so going into the Arizona Cardinal game, um, you're looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm saying to myself, Max, they've got one real weakness, and only one. And I'm not saying it's debilitating. I'm not saying it's going to prevent them from actually winning and winning in the postseason. But, man... Their rush defense is a little spotty at times, especially in between the tackles. So for me right now, if they get that figured out, I don't see another weakness. I I don't. Offensively, they can run it. Um, They can throw it. Jalen Hurts has made really good decisions. He's really protected the ball. He's got good weapons. Very, very well. He's got great weapons as well. So... I don't really see, other than their rush defense, I don't see a glaring weakness. And I know that, hey, listen, once you get into the postseason, if there's a team that says, man, we can run the ball on these guys, we're going to go ahead and pound it, that that can preclude you from actually getting to the Super Bowl. But right now, man, I think they're the real deal. The Philadelphia Eagles are for real. They definitely could make it to the Super Bowl. I cannot... I can't envision them winning the Super Bowl, but that's just because I've seen the Chiefs and Bills play football this year. Um, how about this one, though? We're talking Super Bowls. The team that won the Super Bowl last year, the L.A. Rams, the overreaction would be the L.A. Rams have legitimate problems, Max. They have scored 19 points in their last two games. They are 2-3 and three overall. They really haven't looked impressive, I would argue, in any of their first five games, even though they did beat Atlanta and obviously the Cardinals, but barely beat Atlanta, almost gave that game away. And what a loss to the Cardinals if the Cardinals could have finished a few of those long drives with touchdowns instead of field goals. The Rams look lost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Yeah. They just they 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 look dissegmented, disjointed. Everything that does not mean whole, that is what the Rams <laughs> look like right now. And, you know, I is a Super Bowl hangover real? Absolutely. Trust me. Went through it. I get it. This looks very similar, but they don't look like they're ever in control. I think that's the other thing of any of these games. They never look handedly in control. It's always a fight. And you would think with the personnel, they would come across as being in control at some point, And they just they just don't look like that team. And, they, you know, their rushing is not efficient. Matt Stafford's throwing the ball way too much for a guy that's had elbow injuries. <laughs> you know, um, you want to at least try and balance it out a little bit more. But, yeah, they're they're looking bad right now. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, give me the question again, Luke. I want this in its, all its glory right here. Right. Give me the question. Here's, here's the what question. was it again? Let's, let's do this like we're, we're doing another take in the yeah, movie. Yeah, right, okay? exactly. Hey, Wolf. 
<laughs> Would you say the L.A. Rams have problems? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they do. They got big problems right now, honestly. Um, one of them is they refuse to actually try to develop their rushing attack as well. They just want to throw the ball. That's what they do. Look, we got Matthew Stafford. We got all this guy. Didn't you see we went out and got Allen Robinson? What are you talking about? No, we're going to throw the ball. Yet, yeah, actually. exactly. We got Cooper Cup. We're going to throw the ball. That's all we're going to do for the ball. I, I think I think they lost their edge in the offseason. And I think they've become complacent. And this was this was something that a lot of people were talking about. There is a reason why. There's a reason why no team has actually won the Super Bowl since the early 2000s. There's a reason back back. why. Back yeah. to back, right? And, and a lot of it has got to do with the year-to-year proposition that it is in the National Football League and playing right and playing well at the specific time of year that you need to. The Rams did that last year. And because of it, they won a Super Bowl, and rightfully so. This year, they look lost. I agree with Max. I, I don't think I don't think we're going to see the Rams in the Super Bowl once again. No, it does not look like that at all. And here, I'll do one more real quick here before we go to break. How about since the Carolina Panthers fired their coach, and they have the worst tied for the worst record in football, Max, real quick. The Carolina Panthers will have the first pick in the NFL draft this fall, spring. Yeah, I guess spring. I'm going to go with yes, just because you fired your coach this early into the year. So you're, you're pretty much signaling the, the white flag that, A, we want the cream of the crop um, as far as coaching hires um, that will be available or co- coaches available for hiring. And also, we want the number one overall pick, and we're going to go quarterback. So in case anybody was wondering, surprise, surprise, Carolina will be getting the number one pick, and they will be picking a quarterback <laughs> in yes. this year's draft. Yeah. And can I also say, too, is they're getting ready to make that number one pick overall, because I agree with Max. I think they'll they'll definitely do that. Um, I'm hoping they trade Brian Burns. Okay? And I'm hoping maybe somehow, <laughs> some way, the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals can go, hmm, man, that guy, I like that guy, Burns. Uh, that Burns guy, like, you know, I'd love that. Oh, Burns. If, if there was some way to give up draft capital for Brian Burns, I'd do that and run. Can we just, he was the guy that blew up the end around to, uh, to Rondell Moore, right? Can't we just point that out and be like, hey, see how this guy was in the backfield before he got the ball? Uh, real quick, Wolf, Brian Burns or Dave Burns? What if he had to trade Dave oh, Burns no, to get Brian Burns? David Charles? Yeah, no. Nah, yeah. Untouchable? No, nah, you got to be kidding me. David Charles is the best broadcaster Protect. in the history of mankind. <laughs> Not trading That was him. a test. All right, uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. How different do these Seattle Seahawks look this season? Maximum football continues next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum Maximum Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome, from the University of Florida, tackle Max Starks. Right, we got Max Starks around for one more segment here, Maximum Football, and we talked at the start of this run right here about how the uh, the Seahawks really struggle defensively, and that is very true. We will continue to talk about that for the rest of the week. Max, before we let you go, 
Want to look at the other side of the football where the Seahawks really are not struggling at all offensively. They've actually been pretty good. Now, some of that was Rashad Penny averaging 6.1 yards per carry. He is done for the year, though, and this was Pete Carroll's reaction to that. He's an experienced guy at this, uh, you know, but he's still, it doesn't mean that his heart's not broken about playing football. Um but he's going he's gonna to deal with it, you know, better than he did last time around just because he's got that experience. But that doesn't lessen the pain, you know, and missing it. Now, they do have Kenneth Walker. We can get to him in a second. But the conversation really has to start with Geno Smith and the career revival that, I'll be honest, like, if they weren't playing the Cardinals and he wasn't on the Seahawks, I would. this is a pretty good story, guys. Like, what, what Geno Smith has been able to do, the way yeah. his career has gone. But there's no way in a million years I would have thought we were going to see this, Max. Well, absolutely not. And think about this. When we started this year, who would have said that, oh, by the way, Geno Smith is is tied with Patrick Mahomes for, mo- for, for being through five weeks above 80 passer rating, the only two in the NFL? Who... Who would have uttered those out of their lips? Geno Smith wouldn't have even said that no. at the start of the season. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I think that's what makes this so incredible is that we have talked we have talked, you know, bad about him, poured dirt on him. Heck, I've talked bad about him. Um and he is one of the high he has, I think what, the highest, if not tied for the highest completion percentage in the NFL right now? Yes. He's on fire. He's above seventy percent. Um, it, it's just one of those things. I just look at it. Only one of two quarterbacks with three plus games of two plus passing touchdowns and no and no inter, and no interceptions or giveaways. Okay, that's enough <laughs> out of you. No, I mean here. Let me let me just pick you back on this. Six deep pass touchdowns in twenty twenty two. The most in the NFL. Yes, by the, the way, the it's highest. West Virginia. It's West Virginia. The pride of every mountain. Okay, I knew you weren't going to uh, do it. Okay, you, 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 and you and Dale, you and Dale. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> listen. Only I, two. highest QB rating in football one thirteen point one. Think for about Gino that Smith. right now, Geno Smith, and the way that he is playing. There is no denying it. He is playing lights out football. The best football of his career ever. Best completion percentage in football this right year. Right now, too. he is, and that's what Max was talking about. And he's playing better than Russell Wilson is playing in Denver, obviously. Uh. And he's playing, <laughs> and he's playing better than when Russell Wilson was rolling. Uh, over the last few years, I would say. Now, early in Russell's career up in Seattle, man, they were really, they were clicking on all cylinders offensively. But a lot of that had to do with how good their defense was as well. But looking at them right now, they, they run the ball. They commit to running the ball. And because of that, Geno Smith then has the ability to throw the ball down the field to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's that simple. So, you know, football's not a hard game. It nope. really is not that hard. When you can run the ball and attack the line of scrimmage, your play-action game is going to be huge. Max, the uh, the conversation has been a lot of what Wolf just said. It, the, the question keeps coming, oh, is Geno Smith, is he outperforming Russell Wilson this year? Uh, I think we can go ahead and set that aside. If you look at quarterback rating, not only is he outperforming Russell Wilson, there are 21 quarterbacks between them in quarterback rating this year. <laughs> Geno's number one, and Russell Wilson is number 22. So when you see this, and you know how Geno Smith's career has gone to this point, and he was supposed to be a first-round pick, a high first-round pick, but he wasn't. 
showed a couple flashes with the Jets, but it was the Jets, and it looked like his career was over, and now he's doing this. How sustainable do you think it is, and how dangerous do you think he is specifically on Sunday against the Cardinals? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be up to the Cardinals' defense, you know, how well they contain that rush, I think, you know, it, and forcing them into more passing type of situations, right? Getting them behind the sticks, you know, third and mediums to longs where you know it's not going to be a rush opportunity, and Geno has to get into passing situations, preferably 10-plus. Um, that's going to be the biggest key because I think – you know, this team proved that they, they, they can score some points, right? They can score some points with people, but I don't think they could handle if the Cardinals are clicking on all cylinders, the continual scoring. So you've got to put them in situations because this defense, I mean, for, for Seattle is a liability. Yes. Just put it that way. <laughs> You're ranked last. You're 31st and points given up. Um, You're last in rushing. You're 29th in third down percentage. You, you give up the third most big plays in all of the NFL for defenses, and your yards per play, per play is in last place as well. Yeah. What's so, your point? <laughs> that all sounds good well, to me. What, so what I'm saying is the best <laughs> offense is to keep the Seattle defense on the field. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. That, that, that that's, that's the best way I could look at it because if not, then, yeah, you're dealing with having to put them in situations where they can't run the football and to allow for pressure to get on, um, you know, on Geno Smith, which we have two rookie tackles. Not a bad situation to be in in third yeah. medium to long. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> you can rush the edge on those guys. So, Max, I got to get this out of you before we let you go. And we, we've got kind of a hard out here because we're going to be talking to Mike Hazen here in the next beautiful part yeah. of the program. So, um, these roughing the passer penalties, where is this headed? Quickly. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. You, you, you give me a simple question well, with a complex answer. Yes. But I will say this. It, it, it's hyper-reactionary. That's what the NFL does. I think it moves back out as we get to the middle of the season once we're a little bit further away from Tua and not everybody being hyper-reactive. But it is something you're going to have to look at in the offseason and take a deeper look and get, give more defined roles than the ambiguity that is the rule right now. Uh, and then, Max, we have three seconds. Could you give us the meaning of life? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Eat, drink, and be happy. <laughs> look at that. He did it. I could have said it in one. Jesus, yeah. how about that? Thank you. Well, Max, Max took four yes. seconds. Now we're like, <laughs> yeah, Max, Max had a lot more words. Uh, Max, thanks a lot for the time, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs> My pleasure, guys. Take care. Okay, Max. That's, that's Max Starks joining us right there for Maximum Football, as he does uh, every week during the NFL season. And, Wolf, you kind of alluded to it. And uh, we're going to talk to Mike Hazen in just a moment. First, I want to tell you, Arizona's going primetime next week. The Phoenix Suns are going to tip off the NBA season against the Mavericks, and then the Cardinals are going to take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday night football. That's a pretty good one-two punch there Wednesday and Thursday here in the Valley. So we are giving you the chance to experience both of them in person. Just text PRIMETIME to 620-620. Listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games, plus one lucky winner each day is going to win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. That's prime time to 620-620. When we come back, how does Mike Hazen assess the 2022 D-back season? We're going to ask their general manager next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com.
to talk to uh, D-back general manager Mike Hazen here shortly. Kind of put a bow on the D-back season that wrapped up, of course, last week. Wolf, I know you brought it up earlier, though. Um, these playoffs so far, Major League Baseball playoffs, when you get in there, and, and hopefully the D-backs can find a way to be there by next season because it is a whole different level when it's not... Hey, this is uh, baseball game number 71 out of 162. When it's like one and a best of three like we saw over the weekend, or it's one and a best of five like we're seeing now, and your whole season's on the line, yes. it's intense. Yeah, it's just speaking of intense, how brutal can the game of baseball be? You got a two-run lead, and suddenly Robbie Ray is out oh, there closing. I don't know why <laughs> he, he was a, closing. Seattle has well, a closer. Well, I'm just saying, I know, they, but he, and all of a sudden you give up a three-run jack, a walk-off, and you went from victory to defeat. I mean, that is, and, yeah. and especially in the postseason, it's just brutal. Especially when you were trying to pull the upset like the Mariners are, yes. or the Astros of all teams. And, and you you went from, hey, we're going to be up 1-0, and we've won three in a row right. to start these playoffs, to all of a sudden, we're down 0-1, Houston has all the momentum, and we may just be totally screwed. That might be. All right, uh, Mike Hazen is joining us now on the Arizona Sports Line to, to wrap up the D-back season. Mike, thank you for the time uh, all year, but especially today. Um, how's, how's it going? <laughs> it's going all right. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, we were just talking about the uh, the playoffs, and I know you want to be in them. As a baseball enthusiast, do you watch them, or is it more just like, I don't want to see this right now? Uh, I mean, my kids are – it's turning the TV off on my kids who really want to watch it as much as I don't want to watch it. So, yes, it's painful. Uh, it is nails on the chalkboard watching other teams play, uh, but I do watch it. Um, so, it's uh, – you know, so far I think the new format's pretty pretty interesting. Um, definitely having more teams in is more interesting. Uh, and I think the first games obviously were have, have gone, at least in the DS, have gone pretty well. So, Mike, when it comes to your baseball team right now, are you encouraged as to the direction of this team? I'm encouraged by some of the things we saw this year, for sure. I don't, I, you know, as disappointed as I am in finishing with 74 wins, and I am, um, you know, I, I said this at the end of the season, I don't really know what my expectations should have been coming off of where we were in 21, uh, but not playing in the playoffs is, is painful regardless of what your situation is. I am encouraged by some of the things that we did see, and I do need to have that perspective given that we were a fairly young team. Uh, We saw a lot in the second half what I think we can be, uh, which was markedly better than what we saw in sort of May and June of this year. Um, But in the end, I also think a lot of the games where we played in the second half exposed some of the areas on our team that we need to address. I think our, you know, I think we were good for playing for seven innings. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and, and this just isn't the bullpen. You know, I know this is the easy place that everybody runs to, and we need to do a lot to improve that. I think our defense and our offense, seven through nine, also was a glaring weakness for us. We had opportunities in games late in the season down that stretch where we had, we may have had a lead of one run. The game may have been tied. Opportunities to extend the lead. We may have been protecting a lead and failed defensively. All those things cost us. That's the area that we need to. We did a good job innings one through seven in the second half of the season. We needed to play one through nine. 
Talking to Mike Hayes and Mike, along the lines of expectations, you guys did improve by 22 games this year. Now I get things changed from year to year around the league, and you have a plan that you are sticking to, but 13 more wins this year would get you in the playoffs. You can't make a huge jump every year in wins, but do you th- are you going into the offseason with the hope that that's something attainable? Because a lot of people see a rebuild, and they're like, oh, it's going to be years and years. If you guys could make a similar jump, you would be a playoff team next year. Yeah, and and in fact, it may even be less than that in some years. You never know. Mm-hmm. It could it could wind down depending on the the level of parity within the league. That I mean, five hundred and making the playoffs isn't out of the question. Uh, now, I think some certain circumstances would have to happen to in, in order to make that happen. That you know, the new schedule could change that a little bit. Um, you know, if there are some weaker divisions over others, um, you know, our division, as much as you know, we I think we played a little better. Our division was probably played a little weaker this year with three teams you know, in and around 500 or below. Um, look, the jump from 52 to 74 was easy, right? Um, it, mm-hmm. it, you, you had to try hard to finish with 52 wins in the other direction. The jump from 74 to 80 plus is going to be a much bigger mountain for us to climb. Um, I am optimistic that better off season from me, um, better execution late in games for us, growth of our young players specifically, that's where the biggest jump with our team is going to come, that you maintain what Merrill, what, what, what Gallon, what some of those young pitchers did, get bummed back on track, you know, and then the young position players, you know, Walker and, 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 and Varsh and Corbin Carroll and, and, and that group of kids, Marte, um, Rojas, start in a certain place and grow from where they finished this year, which isn't a foregone conclusion. Yeah, that's what I, that's where I think that jump could come from. Uh, obviously, if we add externally, that could add some wins, depending on what we can pull off, either via trade or free agency. Um, but I think our biggest area as a team to grow into the 80s is going to be this team, the nucleus of this team, continuing to take a step forward. Yeah, so Mike, you know I'm just fascinated with team building and the process of team building and there you are with your scouts sitting around this big rectangle in this room and you're talking about this is what we're going to do. Here is our plan. This is what we're going to do and how we're going to attack the off season. Have you already had that meeting with your staff? <laughs> No, next week we'll start. Um, So we'll start in the middle of next week in a series of meetings. And then, you know, we'll meet with ownership at some point after that once we kind of get our strategy in a row. But, look, I can can talk through some bigger picture things already, I feel like. Um, You know, we're going to have to figure out that nucleus of young players that we have who we're, who we're going to lock down and build around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean from a contract standpoint. We have most of these guys for a pretty long set of time. I'm, I'm talking more about who, who are we going to keep, who we might have to trade in terms of, you know, we do have some redundancy in some areas that we may have to look at addressing other weaknesses to our, of our roster that we may not be able to fill in free agency. Who knows? That would be the ideal way because you're not trading some of you, you know, you're not trading good players to get good players. You're, you're, you're leveraging money as opposed to, you know, giving up talent, which we all want to keep as much of as we can. I, I think that's going to be one of the major, one of the major points, topics that we're going to have. We need to be right on the players that we have here. Mm. 
knowing that going out externally, you're just opening up. It's it's a much more challenging environment. You know much less. As, as hard as our guys work, as much information as we can gather, you just know less. And you can and and sometimes you know you hit it, and sometimes you don't. Um, but there's no reason that you don't know your own players better than everybody else. So you should make good decisions there. Talking to D-backs GM Mike Hazen, uh, you know, Mike, everybody looks at this team as a young team, as they should. You said something a couple months ago on the show about how it's important to have the right sort of vets around your young players, too. Do you feel like you had that this year? I mean, it, it sort of seems like you did with guys like Christian Walker. And, and, and is there any sort of emphasis on making sure if you bring guys in that are vets that you make sure you have the right guys this offseason, too? Yeah, I, I think we had some of that. I do. Uh, I don't think we had enough of it. Um, and so, I, I, you know, you look at the teams that are in the playoffs, they don't look like us outside of, of Cleveland um, for the most part. You know, they don't, they don't really, I mean, the Braves, the Braves can, can look younger uh, in certain, in certain in moments, but for the most part, they don't look like us. Um, I think we need to make some adjustments to look more like the majority of the teams that you see in the playoffs. I do think having that presence for 162 games and beyond is important. I think it's an important teacher. I think it's an important, um, I, I, we're not going to, you know, you're not going to overcorrect and have an old team um, because we, we have guys that we believe in that we're going to continue to grow with. I do think adding some of that in, in, part to our team is going to be important. So on that note right there, Mike, um, next season, do you anticipate having the youngest opening day roster since you've been here? I can't answer that right now. Um, Sitting here today, we will be one of the youngest. Um, I'm not sure. Obviously, you don't know what other teams are going to do. And I I don't know what's going to sort of come at us this off season. I mean, we, we may make moves externally and, and, and acquire players that are younger than what we have. I, I, you know, I, I do think, so I can't really answer that right now. I would bet we're going to be on the younger side, um, at least within the position play. I mean, and you see the starting pitchers that are coming too. So yeah, we, we could have a very young roster. The, the Cleveland has proven that you can win with a young roster. It's a little tougher. I think, the inconsistencies are more glaring, yeah. I think, uh, in terms of what you deal with over 162 games. You know, the, the, I think you see the, the valleys can get a little lower um, with younger teams at times. I think that's what we're going to need to figure out how to support that to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, going on four or five game losing streaks and minimizing those. Um, not necessarily always going on winning streaks, but just making sure that you're not falling into those troughs when, you know, you have bad games or something's not clicking. Um, I think that's the challenge with a younger team. So when you meet next week, can I sit in the corner of that room? Can I just listen sure. to you guys? You just can't say anything. <laughs> you can't say Thank you, you, you can talk about, we, you, you can be our psychology coach. You can talk about all the things that make a team go. And then you, you're just going to have to hold all that information that you hear and not, oh, not tell everybody. So that's nice. going to be the hardest part. That'd be brutal. Mike, thank Mike, you so thank much you. for everything all season. All right, guys. Talk to you, buddy. That's Mike Hazen joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. There is no way they're letting you sit in that there's meeting. No way. And there's no way you could be quiet I, in the honestly, meeting. Honestly, it fascinates me, though. I'd <laughs> love to just listen. Yeah, well... Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, all right. When we come back, uh, all of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolfing down your lunch is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. You've been listening to Diamondbacks Front Office Focus. 
Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com.